Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, we are heading into a bye week on Believe in Chargers with Lorenzo Neal, Matt Money-Smith here, getting into a big victory over the Raiders, a two-game win streak, and most importantly, low, the bye. And uh, the fact that the Chargers get the earliest bye you can possibly have, it was perfect last year, smack in the middle of the season this year. Uh, when the bye was scheduled, we thought not so much. But considering all the injuries that have plagued this team now, maybe it's a perfect time for the bye to show up. No question, you know, Matt, because I, I remember looking at the schedule. That's the first thing. You look at your opponent's <laughs> thing, you say, where's the bye? That is when you get the schedule comes out, you're like, where's our bye week? And no question, in training camp, guys are like, oh, my God, we got our bye after the fourth week. You're just like, man, that's horrible. Where they have it like eight, week eight, week nine. You're like, man, or even – week 10 but when they look at the schedule like this sucks but then I, when all of a sudden now you look at what's happened to this chargers team you got a you know your quarterback justin herbert you know finger you think an extra week is not going to help right. I mean, with the inflammation and all the different things you just traded some players you all the things that you have surrounding your team to get guys back in the scheme replacing the corner or safety whatever you gonna who are you gonna plug in letting them get those reps with the number ones, just doing those things and letting guys body heal because you have some big time players, Eckler, and you're talking about Bosa, guys that are unable to go right now. So this buy is going to be huge for this team, especially when they got a big push coming after the after buy. Yeah, you, you mentioned Joey's name and you talk about those soft tissue injuries, right? Derwin, sure. Joey, like that extra week is going to go a long way, especially when you're talking about the Cowboys, you know, coming to town and you know how good their defense is. Their offense has kind of been hot and cold, but you're certainly going to need Joey for that. You, you saw what it looked like with those three in rotation, Khalil, Tooley and Joey. You want that at full strength. And, you know, we'll get into this a little bit later, but you were down not two, you know, not just starting two safeties. But you're starting to and your number three safety. So you were talking about activating two guys, not one, but two from the practice squad. Dean Marlowe, A.J. Finley, the undrafted free agent rookie out of Ole Miss. Dean, longtime vet, seven years out of James Madison, uh, played a couple seasons. Never as a starter, but as a pretty big rotation player. And you know what? Those two guys played great. Uh, tip your cap to them. But that's not something you want week after week after week. That's one of the great things about depth. And, and when you have depth on your team, Lo, you know what it is. It's like, hey, can you go in for a series? Can you carry us for a week? It's not something you expect to be an entire season. That's sort of what it looked like last year. Yeah, sometimes you get lucky and you get a Jamari Sawyer. But in this case, yeah, you have a great effort from your safeties. But the buy shows up then. And I'll say this too, Lo, maybe something that went underreported. I think, I think Rashawn Slater got dinged up early in that Raider game. We do not see him give up pressures one-on-one -on -one like he did in that game. And there's a play that he got folded backwards. And I think that's that's going to be a big deal to give him that extra week to kind of get ready to go up against Micah Parsons and the Cowboys. Oh, no question, because he's going from a, one of the better elite pass rushers you saw the Raiders, and now you got Micah Parsons probably yeah. the best right now. So you're going back-to-back -back two top five pass rushers in the league. And yes, Slater was a little banged up, a little injured, but this is good, and this is a great test, and it's going to be a great test because you're going to have to play these type of guys when you get in the playoffs. You're going to have to play against these guys. So you look at Slater, and you look at this offensive line, they needed some rest, and especially when you got a guy like Slater who's with probably one of his worst games. You saw that, you know, like you said, giving up a lot of pressure. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't the guy that's anchor that, that he usually is. So he understands that. So this team, all you can do during the bye week, it is a great time to correct, make corrections, 
get guys back healthy, get teams, the team to move in the right directions. The, buy, the buys are so good for teams, especially when you get ready to play another tough opponent like you talked about, the Dallas Cowboys. But, Matt, I know we're going to get more into it, but think about what's, how favorable this is for the Chargers. They got an extra week. They're beat up. They need to get an extra week. You're going to be back healthy. Your leg is going to be fresh. You're playing a team that's getting ready to play, travel to San Francisco and play the San Francisco 49ers, which is one of the most physical teams. Do you look at the 49ers? Do you know, I don't know if you know this track record, but the 49ers, it's like 90% of the teams that played them the week before, 90% of those teams lose the following week because the Niners are so physical and beat you up. So I think this buy for the, for the Chargers comes at a great time. Yeah, and uh, it comes on a week when they trade J.C. Jackson. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but first, let's get into all these injuries with someone that knows a little bit about it. All right, Lil, let's bring him in. One of our absolute favorites. You follow him on social media, Twitter, all over the place, at ProFootballDoc, D-O-C. It is Dr. Chow. You know him well. And considering the state of the Chargers going into the bye week, figured it'd be a perfect time to catch up with the good doctor. So, Doc, I'm just... Before you start laying into Lorenzo and the relationship the two of you have had forever, which we're looking forward to, I'll start with Justin Herbert, uh, the finger. We're all super zooming in on that one shot of it and uh, what we should take away moving forward in two weeks when he gets back out there against the Cowboys. Happy to chat on that, but let me just make it clear that <laughs> I've got nothing to do with the Los Angeles Chargers. I was only with the, uh, the San Diego Chargers. And this is all based on insider knowledge, not insider information. And their new head of athletic trainer, Marco, is awesome. Their staff is awesome, and they're doing a great job with everything. Heck, when I went on, uh, first got on Pat McAfee, he's like, well, dude, I, I didn't want to have you on because I'd, I'd have to ask you about Tyrod Taylor's punctured lung. Until this morning, my staff told me it wasn't you. I'm like, yeah, no, I wasn't ever in. It was not you. So, don't blame me for anything here. I'm just analyzing what's going on. And uh, Justin Herbert, like in-game, look, he didn't get stepped on, right? The video didn't show he got stepped on. And it's preposterous, and maybe Lo can comment on this, that uh, someone's face mask can cut your hand, right? I mean, there's nothing sharp on the face mask. This isn't Raiders uh, uh, fans in the black hole with knives sticking out of their helmet, right? The, the face mask is dull, so this is why he got his finger caught up and twisted, broken, and maybe an inside-out puncture of some sort, and that's what the big contraption was. The good news, look, he's Justin Herbert, right? He's going to yeah. play through, and thankfully it wasn't his throwing hand. But it did affect him some. Like, let me tell you something. I think if he has doesn't have the broken hand in that big contraption, he probably gets that fourth-and-one sneak. Well, you can't ball security move where you got to cradle it down in your belly when you only have one hand to – to do it, and thankfully it worked out for the Chargers in the end there. Shotgun, no stretch runs, he had to flip the ball. But I think he'll be better after the bye week, and I've, I would not be surprised if there's a small surgery incoming. Put some screws or a small plate in the fracture, stabilize it, less of a big contraption. You've got two weeks, and the big issue is you don't want to do surgery and play the next week sometimes because you don't want to get an infection from the wound. But with two weeks' time, you're going to be fine. So that hasn't been announced yet. That's pure uh, speculation on my part that something that we would consider doing back in the day. We'll see what happens. But he's going to be there. He's Justin Herbert. Uh, that's all I can say there. 
It's a doc when it's Flo Neal here. Great to see you. When you're looking at Justin Herbert, you think about how tough and what type of a guy he is besides his football acumen. Is this when you look at the when the finger so he will be able to will he have full range of motion in two weeks? Is it going to be swollen? Is it going are they gonna put a splint? What what is going to be the procedure to get him on the field? Because you know both hands have to go underneath that center's, you know, you know, underneath the center to make sure he's <laughs> getting the ball. So how is that going underneath that center's uh uh yeah uh, but how about that? It's buttocks. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh first of all. You know, in two weeks, he'll be better. Not 100%. It won't be healed. But they'll have time to get a smaller contraption for protection on there, not just from the blue tent. And the surgery would help stabilize it if that happens. So I have no doubt he's going to play. But here are some of the differences. I think you'll see more shotgun as opposed to under center, right? And if he is under center, the, there are potential ball security issues. But as you know, it's top hand, dominant hand not the left hand that's on top where the ball gets slammed in there. But the biggest thing is, you know, on stretch runs, he's not going to stick the ball into the running back's belly with his single left hand. It'll be a little bit of a toss or modified. They'll get through that. He's going to play and be fine. And, and on our podcast this week, uh, Believe Podcast, Sports Injury Central Podcast, we always do a beast of the week. And I don't know if you guys want to show this or, or go back and edit it in, but that hit – we made it the beast of the week, not because he said it's just a flesh wound, which I thought was hilarious. I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think he's old enough to know what Mo, who yeah. Monty Python is, you know, uh, kind, kind of deal. And I thought that was awesome that he downplayed it. But remember that earlier hit from former Charger Jerry Tillery? He got jacked. And, yes, there was a penalty and an injection. But go look at that hit where Justin Herbert bounces right up. And go look at that famous Drew Bledsoe versus the New York Jets hit that knocked him out right. that started Tom Brady's career. They're not dissimilar in force and violence, and yet Justin Herbert pops right back up. So, uh, you know, he's worth every penny he's getting, and he is a great one. Yeah, no doubt. Think about his debut against Kansas City when uh, he knocked the linebacker out of the game as opposed yeah. to him taking the the shot. Doc, uh, big news this week, J.C. Jackson. They It was it's never a good fit, uh, whether schematically or for whatever reason, uh, just never quite got on track after signing that big free agent deal. Uh, they take the sunk cost hit. They get the the players they want out there as opportunity costs. They move on. But how much uh, do you think that injury played into it, into the way JC started this season out, specifically the, the struggles he really had against Miami in that week one? I think a lot. At Sports Injury Central, SICscore.com, we do individual team and player six scores. And for the season, based on video, based on knowing how hard it is to return from a patella tendon rupture and the position, right, changing directions and, you know, backpedal the forward and reacting, look, he can't help but be half step, step slow. We had his six score at 59, meaning 100 is completely healthy with nothing. So he was near 60% of what he could be, and that is a tough number. And then how do you put that guy one-on-one -on, -one on Tyreek Hill? I mean, Tyreek Hill beats 100% healthy guys. It's not a criticism of anybody, but, you know, we just didn't think he was that healthy. So, you know, you know, healthy scratch, quote, healthy scratch, and time to move on. Uh, fine. And, and and for New England, they're making the trade. He's got to pass the physical. I'm sure he will because New England's getting him for cheap and he's worked well in their system. 
and they need somebody because Christian Gonzalez is going to have shoulder surgery and be done for the season, their star rookie corner. So he's certainly an upgrade from whoever the backup is and back in familiar things. So I do think health played a big role in J.C. Jackson not working out. It shortened last season and it gave a rough start to this season. It's just the nature of the injury, not blaming anyone uh, uh, at the Chargers or anything in the way that they managed it. Well, Doc, let's stay there in that sphere. So when you're talking about, hey, the nature of the injury and, hey, can't come back that fast. So so what is typically the time frame to make sure that Jackson's going to be at 100%? When you look at this guy and his body of work, and you said you scored him at a 59, so that's far from 100. That's barely, not even passing in some books. So if that's the case in the position he plays, is it a two-year? What Are bodies changed differently? Or is this something that it's hard, especially a cornerback, to come back to 100% ever? Well, you know, it is hard to come back to 100% ever, but I think he can be in the high 90s, certainly by next season. And towards the end of the season, maybe he gets up to 85, right? And so I think you have to judge him going forward. And whatever you get, whatever New England now gets this season, I think you have to take it with a grain of salt. Anything positive is a good thing, right? And uh, obviously, it didn't work out here. And, and I think at least for this season, you can say scheme, but I think the medical or the health uh, had a lot to do with it. And kudos to him. He didn't say, I can't play. He said, I'm going to get out there and try. And it didn't really work out, right? And cornerback um, makes it as tough as it can be because you never know where you're going. You have to react and chase as to where you're you're going. And uh, um well, we'll see what happens. I wish him luck going forward. And, and uh, char as you say, other Chargers now have an opportunity. Doc, the, uh, just just sort of the way that, that hamstrings work, it seems to be one of the more frustrating injuries for fans. It's uh, We've all pulled our hamstring before, so I think there's just that tiny little relatable for, for people. But they're different. I think about Derwin, and we saw his leg wrapped at the end of that game that that he left. What can you kind of, I think, just sort of a general conversation about hamstrings and why some take longer than others? Well, because not all hamstrings are the same, right? Uh, you know, a fender bender, your car's in the shop one day versus a month, right? I mean, not all car accidents are the same. Not all hamstrings are the same. Not the same location, not the same degree, proximal versus distal, and uh, so forth in the type of position. Hamstrings are always harder on explosive athletes. And you would argue for sure Derwin James is explosive and so is Joey Bosa. Explosive athletes are harder. Easier for, uh, quote, plotters, you know, offensive linemen and so forth. Harder for the explosive athletes. And that's what you're dealing with. And, and you know, um, in the end, used to do this all the time uh, back in San Diego with the Chargers. Okay, is this guy 100%? No, but is he better than the backup doing what he does? And does he help us? And what's the risk of re-injury? Sometimes the decision is made based on, hey, look, let's not wait. A, let's wait another week. Oh, we really need him this week. 85% is better than what we have the next guy. And I remember a conversation once, Derwin James is more safety than a corner on a corner. So the coach saying, we really need him. Can he? Why can't he go? I said, look, I'm not telling you he can't play. I'm telling you he can try, but I'm telling you he's not 100%. And if he, you know, uh, stop, stop, you know, go route and he pulls up lame and we give up six points, don't look at me. And then he's out another month. Or do you want to wait another week and, you know, get more security that they're going to be okay? So return to play is really that kind of discussion. It's between the player, the 
medical staff and the team in terms of what you want. You can have situations where the player says, I'm ready to go. The medical staff says, you're okay to go. And the team says, you know what? we got a big divisional matchup next week, and we really need you for that game based on scheme and personnel. Let's not risk it for this non-divisional game. Or in Austin Eckler's case, was there some of this, okay, you might be able to go, but we have the bye week. Let's get the insurance and give you all the way through the bye week and play week six. Those are considerations that are always made behind the scenes. For Dr. Chow, you can follow him at Pro Football Doc. He does it for Believe as well. A million different ways to get all the information uh, going into any Sunday's contest. Doc, you're the best. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, you can get all the links to all the different things that Dr. Chow has going right there at Pro Football Doc on social media. So we did a lot of looking forward low. Well, now time for us to look back. It was Raiders week. Uh, The Chargers get the victory. That's the most important stat. They they get the one in the win column. Uh, The Raiders get another one in the loss column. They're one in three. Their fan base is freaking out about how this thing has fallen apart since Rich Basaccia took over for John Gruden and guided them into the postseason, that big Week 18 win over the Chargers, and then a playoff contest that came down to the very last play when Derek Carr threw an interception and a wild card contest in Cincinnati. And since two and seven start last season, now a one and three start to this season. So glad we're not there. We're here after a zero and two. They've won two in a row. A heck of a first half from the offense, and really overall, the entire game, save a couple plays, uh, an incredible effort from a defense that was uh, was wildly undermanned. No question. And we're going to start, you know, of course, we're going to break down the game, but it's one guy that got my got my game ball of the week, and that's Cleo Mack. I mean, here's a guy that you know started with the Raiders, the franchise, not one, not two, not three, not four, but yeah. six sacks. What he did, Matt, you know, not having Bosa and just going out there and just willing that game to taking over that game defensively when you had a very, very competitive team. The Raiders were hung around, even though the Chargers jumped on them. The Raiders made that a football game and you needed every all hands on deck. It was a very, very good win for the Chargers. Two coaches that, let's be real, two coaches that are having whispers about, hey, their job and what have they been doing and kind of questioning these two coaches. And this is great for the head coach. The Chargers needed this win. The head coach needed this win. The organization needed this win. The fan base needed this win. And that's because you're beating the Raiders, a team that is your rival to beat the Raiders. That keeps a lot of people and a lot of fans at bay temporarily. Yeah, I'll start with uh, with Khalil Mack because I think it's a perfect example of when you have a favorable matchup, you have to take advantage of it. Uh, Illuminor has been has been leaky all season long. Uh, there's a reason why Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception in each of the first three games, why there had been turnovers, why their offense had struggled. A big part of that was the right side of that line, and that's yeah. where the majority of his sacks came from. They took advantage of it. They ran games over there. They attacked the weakness with Thule and Khalil stacked on top of one another. I don't think, by the way, I don't think it's coincidental that Thule – combined with Khalil Mack, led to six sacks. And prior to that, they were stacking Thule with Joey Bosa, and somehow he picked up three sacks in two and a half games. So there's something special there with this rookie, the way he occupies blockers, the way they're running stunts and games with Tui Pelotu has been incredibly fruitful for this team. So love to see them exploit the mismatch, to see Khalil Mack, who had zero sacks, Coming into this game through three, gets six in this one, had eight in all of last season. 
uh, exploit that mismatch because that's what you have to do when you have premium players like Joey, like Khalil. Make sure they pay for the leakiness on, on that side of the line. You mentioned how the Raiders stayed in this game. They stayed in because the offense completely disappeared in the second half, which was odd. They put up 24 points in the first half. Their possessions in the second half, a 55-second three and out, a three-minute interception, a two-minute three and out, a four-play, nine-yard turnover on downs, 29-second drive before the end of the game. That was their second half. That basically, the defense was on the field for almost the entirety of the second half, and that's why we say you have to tip your cap to them. Yeah, the Raiders scored 10 unanswered. The defense was on the field the entire second half low, and they still had all that energy to keep going. They did, and when they needed them most, they were there. They stepped up to make those plays that they needed to close the game and shut the game down. That's what you love that your defense did that. And yeah, and, and for me, Matt, I think this is a matter of mental. It's not physical. I think that you have guys on the Chargers team taking times offensively of missing a block here or I'd give up a sack here. Okay, one guy missed him. Okay, and the guy's in the backfield. This offense and just this team, if they want to get to where we think they're capable and that's being a playoff type of team and making some noise, you got to clean up some things this week because you're talking about 29 seconds. You're talking about three and out. You're talking about three-minute yeah. drive and not keeping the ball and not keeping your defense fresh. This is a recipe where you're going to get more guys like Cleo Mack and all those guys injured because now they have to go back on the field. They're fatigued. When you're fatigued, there's more, you're more susceptible to injuries. So this team collectively, offensively, has to step up because this is supposed to be one of the most prolific offenses in the National Football League. And it, it's no excuse that you can go three, three, and three and outs in a row or four or five. You have to make play better, make better decisions, and guys have to make it an onus on themselves to say, I'm not going to be the weak link. I, each guy can't take turns breaking down in crucial times because it will hurt you when you're playing the elite team. Yeah, it was that first drive of the second half that really got them. The, the designed runs were not working in the second half for whatever reason. It just wasn't happening. Uh, the, the first drive, remember, they get pinned back. It was a heck of yep. a punt by Cole. They're pinned at their five. Josh sure. Kelly loses two yards on first down. So now you got a second and 12. Herbert throws a beautiful pass to Quinton that hits him right between the numbers and it bounces off his shoulder pad incomplete. That would have been, you know, giving you some breathing room. You would have had the first down. And then on the very next play, he misses Josh Palmer, who's wide open down, at least got a step down the sideline and missed him for a long completion as well. And that just kind of set the tone for the rest of, of the half. But hey, this is comp it's complimentary football, right? And sometimes everything complements and you win games by 30 points. And sometimes one facet, or in this case, two special teams, JK had a rough go and the offense wasn't working, but the defense was able to step up. And it's not just Khalil. Now, Khalil helps the cause a lot, right, Low, But how about Dean Marlowe? And, and how oh, about Raheem wow. Lane? I mean, as your starting yeah, safety, he's yeah. not giving up any big plays to, to, to Devontae Adams, who came back into that second half and shutting that thing down up top. The defense gets the game ball because of how ineffective the offense, like you talked about, dropping passes, uh, overthrowing an inch, a guy giving up a sack at the wrong time. So collectively, defense overall, they did a great job, especially being on the field as long as the offense had them out there. And uh, All right, that's going to do it for uh, for this week. Believe in Chargers. We'll be back next week with the bye week, getting ready for that huge Monday night football contest against the Cowboys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.